This, this is a big day for those who follow Christ. It's Resurrection Day. That's really, really what it's all about. And we're launching a series today that's going to go for nine weeks total called Epic Story. And we use epic, honestly, to, to describe a lot these days, don't we? Um, and in movie trailers, often you see the epic story finally comes to the screen. Um, you can have an epic fail. Uh, I, was, I was at the U.S. Open. I had 30 minutes at the U.S. Open with my daughter and a friend several years back. And we, we struggled to find a parking place, and we're thinking, okay, hey, we'll, we'll just have about, you know, just a few minutes to watch the event. And so we find a parking place. We, we weave through the crowds. It's just packed the Huntington Beach Pier area, and we're weaving through the crowds. We, we get there, and we have just a short amount of time, and Kelly Slater has the ride of the decade. Okay, I, I, was, I was watching this, and, and the announcer's going, Dude, that was epic! <laughs> and I'm going, Yeah, it really was. That was amazing. I mean, the waves were like, 10, 12 feet, and it was, it was, it was, you know, you see, you can find it on YouTube if you'd like to see that epic ride. Here's how Webster's describes the word epic, or defines it. It's telling a story about a hero or about exciting events or adventures. Second, secondary definition, very great or large, and usually difficult or impressive. As you think about your life today, it, it may not feel very epic. Maybe ordinary is a better description of your life. Maybe that's the word that comes to mind. Or maybe epic fail. I don't know. I hope not. I hope that's not the thought that comes to mind. In a few moments, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to walk through a, a story of two extremely dejected followers of Christ immediately following the crucifixion. And they were battling extreme disappointment in the moment. And so we're going we're gonna to step back, we're going to look at what happened there and pull some insight out of that event in history. In this series, what we want to do is show you how you can work with God as he writes your story. He's somehow God does this. He he writes our stories. He he gives us the freedom to choose what we're going to do with our life that he's entrusted us with. But as we make decisions and as we make choices, he's weaving his purpose in and throughout uh, history and weaves our choices together to to accomplish his his purpose in our lives. As we respond to him. Now, you, you may be confused about God's role in the world and even God's role in your life. And our hope is that this series could give some clarity to that. Our goal in the series really is to show how the Bible reveals the epic story of God redeeming people who put their faith in him. Uh, this is what God's doing in the world over the next nine weeks. We're going to cover some of the most exciting events and heroes found in the Bible. And we want to take you on a journey 
through the major stories and themes of the Bible, tracing the flow of God's plan in, in history as he relates to the people that he's made, as he relates to the people he put on the planet that he created. So if you're investigating what it means to follow Christ and you're trying to figure that out, this series would be a great introduction to the sweeping flow of Christianity because we're going back next week to the very beginning. <laughs> we're going to look at Genesis, which means beginning, first book of the Bible, and we're going to look at the what's, the how's, and the why's. And if you already follow Christ, then it should strengthen you as we walk through this series as you gain a sweeping overview of Scripture and history of God relating to the people he's made. Here's a preview of the series very quickly. Epic story. Week one, we're going to look at a story that resonates. Today, we're going to dig into that. Jesus' resurrection is a source of hope for those who trust him. And today, we'll see the difference it made in the lives of two dejected followers of Christ. Next week, we're going to look at grand opening. We'll look at creation and God's purpose for making people and the world that he's created. Week three, fall apart. This message looks at God's response to man's epic fail. And uh, it reveals his goodness and his love and his, his faithfulness, his relentless pursuit of the people that he made in order to connect with them. Week four, chosen but struggling. This message will highlight the central role of sacrifice in God's plan for redemption through a gripping story. It's one of those stories, you know, some story, I don't know about you, but some stories you watch on TV or you go to the movie and you, you, you really don't, it's so gripping and real in a way that you're wondering if you really in, am in, or you're enjoying it. But then again, you walk away and you realize that was really helpful to see because I had to confront some things in myself. Well, that's what happens this week. It's one of those stories, okay, but, but you realize that that was very helpful to, to read about and understand what, what happened there. Um, week five, we're looking at the rescue. We'll walk through the story of God's dramatic rescue of his people from slavery uh, many epic movies have been made, actually, about this story of God delivering his people from slavery. Uh, week six, life's battlefield, the battles God, God's people fought to claim his promises will show us how to keep moving forward in faith. Tremendous help there. Uh, week seven, we're going to look at leadership. We, we see hope in the way that God works through a sequence of evil and good leaders in the nation of Israel and how he he keeps moving forward, and we receive a lesson about relating to authority in that. And then week eight, redemption. We'll see how God has been guiding history to the perfect time to unveil his plan in history for redeeming the world, for restoring things to the way he originally created them. Uh, and then week nine, the church. We'll wrap up the series by looking at how the story continues to unfold throughout, throughout eternity and how we can take a part in that story. So there's a theme that we're going to uncover as we walk through these weeks of this series. Jesus' death and resurrection is the heart of the epic story in the Bible, and that's what we're celebrating today. As you read the Bible, you see that God is writing this story throughout history. 
Somehow he's weaving the choices of men and women into that story, and he's still accomplishing his purpose. You see how he's doing that, but what's happening is all the ways that he interacts early on, once man had their epic fail, points forward to Jesus. And then after Jesus, it looks back at what he did, at who he is, and how he accomplished what God sent him to do. Even the earliest chapters of the Bible point to, to him. Very early, very early on. By chapter 3, he's introduced as, as, and promised to come step into history and uh, do what he did. And so this is the thing that impacts everyone and, and everything. Jesus is the hero, and the resurrection is evidence of a successful rescue. And that's what we're celebrating today. When you read through Scripture, an amazing story unfolds. There are major themes of creation, origins, provide some of our best modern stories. There's a lot of movies about origins and come up with some wild ideas on those. But uh, we, we like to think about where we came from. How, how do we get here? We, there's something in us that draws us beyond this, this world. And so we think about that. Those stories sort of resonate with us as we think about the stories with them. We see themes of a fall and a redemption in the Bible. And movies with these themes, whoa, you know, we've all blown it. You know, we've all fallen. And so you, you have a good story with a hero who may fall, but then he's redeemed. Aha, that resonates. That really resonates with our hearts. And then God's plan for restoration comes through loud and clear in Scripture. And we long for this because we know things aren't right in the here and now. The Bible reveals God's great unfolding plan in history. A critical part of God's plan is redemption. Jesus' role in redemption begins unfolding long before the crucifixion and the resurrection. So throughout the series, we want to connect some important dots uh, of God's epic story in order to understand where we fit into that story. Today, however, I'd like to pick up the story of Christianity right after Jesus is brutally crucified. This event was a crushing blow for Jesus' close friends and followers. At the time of the crucifixion, he had... We don't really know, but it seems like about 120 very close followers. And inside of the 120, there were about 12 in his inner circle. These men spent three years with him. And they had left everything to follow him. They, they had left it all. You know, in one instance, guys were fishermen. They're fishing. And he goes by the Sea of Galilee, and they're fishing, and he says, hey, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. They drop their nets, and they follow him. Now, you don't see this in the passage, but likely they knew him. They knew who he was. So they didn't just, hey, some magical, hey, all right, I'll punt what I'm doing, drop my career, and move on. They knew who was asking them when he came, but th this is what's going on. They left 
everything to follow him. They believed that he was the son of God. They didn't know that at first, but after they lived with him for three years, they had concluded that he was the son of God. This, this is the one God promised to send in, in the early parts of the Bible. And they thought that he would give them eternal life like he promised, but he would really make life good in the here and now. This is, this is what they had hoped. But he had just been brutally crucified on the cross. So they had put their hope in him, left everything to follow him, placed all their hopes in him. Can you imagine how dejected they were after that event? When the one they left everything to follow and the person they placed all their hopes in to be their savior was brutally crucified on a cross, the most horrendous way to die beaten and then crucified. So the day after Jesus' crucifixion was the Sabbath. Uh, It's our Saturday. And Jews would not travel or work. So all of his followers, uh, his early followers were Jewish. And so they they were not traveling, going anywhere on the Sabbath. They were staying, staying where they were. And then on the third day, Sunday, Two Christ followers were heading home from Jerusalem where all these events had taken place. Now, these two guys, they're, they're heading home on foot on a road toward the village called Emmaus. And that's about seven miles from Jerusalem. In this day, everybody walked unless you had a camel or some other source of transportation. Um, but, but they walked. So roads and pathways would be packed with people like our streets and freeways, you know, the traffic we deal with every day. And it would have been common to see other people on the road. And so as they're walking, uh, these two guys are walking home to the village of Emmaus and a, a third guy joins them on, on the road. He, he starts listening into their conversation. And I'm imagining, you know, this was Passover in Jerusalem, so crowds gathered in Jerusalem, and everybody's starting to walk, so the, the roads are probably packed on, on the way to different places. And this third guy joins in, starts listening in to what they're talking about. And uh, it's Jesus who, who joins them, the one who had just been crucified. Now, for some reason, they didn't recognize him. Uh, these are his followers, but they didn't raise in some mysterious way. His identity was veiled. And it's sort of like when you read this passage, it's sort of like watching a movie. You know, when the main character in the movie, there's something around the corner. You can see it. They don't know it. You want to tell them not don't go there. But then they go there anyway. Well, it's sort of one of those things where you're reading this passage and it's like you're able to watch what's happening. And you go, hey, 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 this is Jesus. But anyway, uh, maybe not quite like that. But uh, as he walked up close to them, he could hear them deep in a conversation. And so he asked them what they were talking about. And they responded something like, where have you been? Okay, (laughs) I mean, everybody in Jerusalem 
realizes what just happened. Haven't you heard? And Jesus says something like, well, tell me about it. What happened? And so they start explaining to him that, you know, Jesus died. Uh, we, we, we thought he was the answer. We had given our lives to follow him. We left everything. And we thought he was the one that God sent to redeem us. And he was crucified on Friday. And to top it off, some people went to his tomb this morning and he wasn't there. So we're trying to figure this out. This is crazy. We're, we're trying to sort out what's going on here. Check out what Jesus says in response to them. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them uh, in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So what, what Jesus does, and this is important, is he takes them back to the very beginning and he begins to lay out how God has been pointing towards him the entire time in the scriptures. Jesus highlights how the epic story of God's interaction with people all points toward him. They don't realize it's him. They don't know this yet. This is major evidence as you go. We, we talk about in our, in our culture putting, having faith. And, you know, if you just have faith, faith is going to help you get by. But it's not an empty faith that really helps you get by. It's, it's because the object of your faith makes all the difference. And what Jesus shows these two guys is, this is a historic faith. This, this is a faith that's rooted in events of history. And it shows, and he begins to show them how God has been pointing to himself the entire time. The world's been in existence. It's an amazing thing that happens here. It's, it's, it's really awesome. So he connects the significant dots from the beginning of the Bible to the things that had been recently accomplished among them. And this is what we want to do in this message series. We want to connect these same dots. No way we're going to do it as good as Jesus did. <laughs> but that's what we're doing. So Jesus is helping them see that right before their eyes, even though it seems like their hopes are dashed, God is fulfilling their promises. So they drew near, it says in Luke 24, uh, going on, 28 through 31. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went into them to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. When they recognized him, everything clicks. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us to us the scriptures? And as they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road 
and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, what's happening is all of Jesus' closest followers are starting to piece these stories of him meeting them after the crucifixion in a resurrected body. I, I don't know what that was like, but uh, they, it, they recognized him after a while. So it was a little different than the, the normal, uh, you know, our flesh and bones here. They get a charge of adrenaline when the lights go on, when they recognize Jesus. They get a charge of adrenaline, and they rush back to share the news with the other Christ followers. Jesus is alive. He's risen. What's true for these men 2,000 years ago is true for us. Our destiny is changed when we see and believe that Jesus was, uh, died and was raised. There's a point when the lights came on for these two disciples. If their lives were an epic novel, this would be the turning point in their story. This would be the crux, the heart of it. Everything in their life before this moment was building up to it, and everything after would follow it. It would flow from it. And Here's how verse 31 puts it. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Now, the interesting thing is, before this moment, the lights were off. After this moment, the lights were on. And this is the way it is. You, you can be in church your entire life, and you don't really see the significance of Jesus. You, you, can, you can not be in church your entire life, and all of a sudden you hear the story of Jesus and the lights go on, and you want to follow. This is, this is what happens. This is an important moment. Before this, they were dejected, and their hopes were dashed. When the lights came on, they received a charge of hope that turned them around and set a new direction for their life. Once while speaking to his followers, Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. The Bible tells us that our eternal destiny hinges on whether or not we believe Jesus' statement in that verse in John 11. There are two basic responses to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Some can't see the importance of it, and some have their eyes opened like the disciples on the road. And there are a wide range of reasons, I would imagine, why people don't see the importance of the resurrection. And they mirror the responses of the people who were around in Jesus' day. Some, uh, like most Jews in Jesus' day, have a religious system or a philosophy that keeps them from really investigating uh, Jesus' claims. And so they write him off before they can really look into it. And if you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, like I said, this is a historic faith. There are things in history that you can go back and look at. And there's evidence that points to the fact that Jesus is actually who he said he is. You, you can dig in. I, I did this in, in graduate school. I had questions rolling around in my, my brain that were affecting, you know, 
the way I lived. And, and I, I decided in graduate school, now, granted, I'm going to graduate school to get ready for the ministry, okay? <laughs> but I, I go to graduate school, and I'm there. I've got these questions, and I decided, you know what? I need to honestly answer these questions for myself. And if it doesn't work out, if I can't, if I can't land in the right place in terms of Jesus' identity, then I'm just going to walk away from the ministry. And I can tell you that the answers are there. The evidence for his identity as being the Son of God is solid. And you can build your life on it. And so I would encourage you to do that. We'd love to help you uh, do that if you'd like. But don't let a philosophy, a religious system, cause you to write Jesus off before you really look into it. And then, like the crowd, some are so busy making a living or raising a family that they don't feel they have the time to really dig in and investigate Jesus' claims. And then, like the Romans, they see Jesus maybe as just another great man or another revolutionary to shut down. And he's the God of the Jews. We can just add him to the shelf of all the other gods that we have. So didn't really make that much difference. There's no denying the impact of Jesus' life on earth. So many put him in the category of great moral teacher. So he, he was a great man, great moral teacher. The problem is that Jesus' claim in John 11:25 doesn't leave room for that. There's no wiggle room to be neutral about Jesus' identity because of the claim in John 11:25 and other things he said. As C.S. Lewis said when commenting on people concluding that Jesus was a great moral teacher, a man who, this is a quote from him, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. C.S. Lewis was brilliant guy, and he came to Christ later in life as he sought out all the other answers to what it meant to live and to be alive and what we should do with our lives. He, he investigated those historic claims, and he found the evidence there. You, you can hear the story of Jesus and look at all the facts related to his resurrection, but if God never opens your eyes... You don't see him as the Lord of the universe that he claimed to be. If you're unsure of who Jesus is this morning, I want to encourage you to ask God to turn the lights on for you. Go to him and ask him. Ask him to show you that he's real. He, he makes all the difference in life. It will be the turning point if the lights go on for you. God gives eternal life to those who admit their sin, believe that Jesus died and was raised, and then give their lives to follow him. You may be ready to put your faith in Christ right now. Maybe God's recently turned the lights on or some things have been going on in your life that have brought you to that point. Or maybe as I've been speaking, 
you have enough background, you have enough of the answers that the lights went on. To believe means to trust your entire life to Jesus Christ. To turn from living my own way and decide to live his way. I'm going to do it his way from now on. If you're ready to give your life to him, please let us know. We would love to send you some some things that would encourage you in that decision. You can check the box on the back of the connection card. If you look at your connection card that was in your program that uh, we looked at earlier, you can check the box and let us know that you're ready to, to make that decision. You, you may need to investigate further. That, that makes sense. Ask God to show himself to you. Ask God to turn the lights on for you and show you that Jesus really is the Son of God. If you follow Christ, the rest of this series should strengthen you as you see how God's been writing the story from the beginning and how he's weaving it together toward a glorious future, fantastic future. You, if, if you haven't yet decided to follow Christ, then the rest of this series will help you see the whole picture from beginning to end and should help you as you seek to investigate what it means to follow him. So we'd like to invite you back for the rest of the series, and, we'll, and I, I hope you'll join us. If you would, right now, please take the connection card out of your program that you began to fill out earlier, and I'd like to ask the worship team to come back up on the stage and the ushers to prepare to receive the offering this morning. And if you would, please take any time to complete any information that you haven't been able to complete on that connection card. When the offering ushers come around, you can drop the card in the offering. I have some next steps. What we try to do here at Church of the Valley is, as we look into the Scripture, we try to talk about what's the next step I need to take, either toward Christ or in obedience to Him if I'm a follower. And so here are some suggestions. Um, First of all, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow Him as Lord. I'm I'm deciding that right now. Second, Second next step you could take is ask God to reveal Himself to me. Ask Him to turn the lights on so that I can see uh, who He really is. And then a third step would be to attend the rest of the series. And we hope you do that. Next week, we're going to look at the grand opening of planet Earth. Uh, why did God make the world and include human beings in it? Why, why did he do that? What were his reasons for doing so that bring meaning to life? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for uh, just what you've done. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the life you lived and dying that horrible death and then raising to new life so that we could have the power to live ourselves in a way that pleases you. We ask for your, your strength as we think about these next steps, if we want to take them, that we would be able to, uh, to your honor and glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.